Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. I got Alan Hoskins back here with me to talk about what's going on in the world of finance and banking and whatnot. So Alan is the Make sure I get this right. President and National Account Manager at at uh, American Farm Mortgage. Wow, I can't even can't even talk right today. Yeah, President. Uh, National finally got Right on. All right, finally got it right for once. Usually, <laughs> I butcher that really bad every time I do that. But Alan's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening. So, Alan, glad to have you back, man. Casey, thanks for having me back. I always enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, let's start with this. And we'll kind of work our way into a few other things. So let's, you know, here's the here's the 400-pound uh, gorilla in the room here. We got this this interest rate thing hanging over our head right now. And I, I can say that we're still seeing good good equipment. So I don't think that's that's a problem. Uh, we still have good on-farm income right now going into, through 23. We'll see what 24 brings. Um, mm-hmm. But as I look and see what's going on, it's not necessarily the... Um, yeah, I'll take it now type approach to things. It's more people really starting to think about what it is because you start splashing these interest rates against um, some of these high-priced used equipment that we see. Um, mm-hmm. You start you start seeing some, some payments double. It's no different than what we're seeing on uh, like the housing end of those kind of things too where you start looking at you got to buy half the house now to, to keep the same mm-hmm. uh, payments you got now. So 
I guess, Alan, as you're kind of sorting through this this maze of, of uh, uh, I guess, probably uncertainty is probably a good word to use with, with the farmer as we have these conversations, mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you, what's some of the advice you're given and, and what are some of the um, kind of roadmaps that you're following as you go through this, this journey? Well, first and foremost, in times of rising interest rates, working capital becomes even more important. And one of the things, Casey, that I would really urge people as they look at purchases, and this is true whether it's land or whether it's equipment, is make sure that that's the most judicious use of working capital and understanding how the financing is going to affect their overall profitability. Is you and I are taping this, it's Friday, October 13th, and if you look at where we are today, we're 225 basis points higher on the prime interest rate than we were this time a year ago. A year ago, we were at six and a quarter, now we're at eight and a half. Those numbers, obviously are making a difference in cash flows where a lot of financing is being done. So I would really urge people to look at their working capital and understand how a purchase is going to affect it and make sure that it is in the best interest of the operation long term in completing that transaction. Yep, and as as you take a look at some of the um, pressures that are coming down, it seems like inflation still is something that's just not going away. It's it's mm-hmm. getting worse as we take a look at the, every report that comes out. It, it just gradually gets a little better. This last report that came out was you know, sharply higher than what anyone had anticipated. Um, I guess as you take a look at the situation we see here, and then you know if you kind of take a look at like, you know this morning or last night, China decided they were going to put nine point five trillion dollars towards their um, national economy and, you know, prop up the stock market and this, the whole housing issue that they have going on over there, um, which is going to create even more of inflationary, a world inflationary issue as we as we look at what's going on there. Um, I guess as you kind of study this, Alan, what are your thoughts on the inflation side of it, and do you see a light at the end of the tunnel coming up here anytime soon? Well, Casey, I look at the numbers <laughs> certainly like everyone else does. Uh, they're does seem to be a little bit of conflict at times and some of the things that you hear coming directly from the Fed about where they may stand on future interest rate hikes, but then you see some of the folks within the Fed itself talk about that, well, you know, maybe we do need to keep increasing interest rates. So, you know, I, I think, Casey, obviously, the reaction was too slow early on in what should happen with interest rates. And I think we're still kind of paying the price for that a little bit. You talked about what China's doing. Certainly that would appear to have an effect on overall inflation. And I think people have to manage accordingly and understand that, in, as you said, inflation's not going to suddenly stop and just keep that in mind with the decisions that they're making. Yeah. As you take a look at the uh, the, the length of well, not like the length, the, the payment structures that you're starting to see come down, are you having more conversations? Is, is leasing popping up at all in your conversations with folks? Are you seeing that more more pop up, or are you still seeing more of this kind of traditional, you know, retail note type stuff? 
I will say that the leasing discussion comes up more frequently today than what we were seeing maybe a couple of years ago. I think, Casey, it's a very good option for people to look at. Every circumstance is different. Every producer has a different financial need. Is the need for an immediate deduction a little more value to them? Or is the need to minimize cash outflow? the most important thing to them. But I would strongly urge folks as they're looking at purchases. And this is true not necessarily just with equipment. Whether it's a new farm shop, whether it's a grain system, an irrigation system, I would absolutely urge them. Look at leasing, but make sure they're looking at it as part of the whole picture. Understand the accounting effect that that lease is going to have, Obviously, that's going to bring their accountant into it. Understanding with their lender, what's that going to do to their overall cash flow? But Casey, not just the cash flow today, but when those leases get to their end, depending upon the type of lease you have, there's a buyout that's going to be there. And what's your plan for handling that buyout? I think that's an important part of that decision. Yep, for sure. When you're, have you ever really thought about from kind of you laid out a few things there and everything's different and whatever but have you ever really because i've thought about this a lot like what mix when you're looking at at a at a, at a farm fleet is there is there a mix of that that should be leased and should be on retail notes or is there is it a kind of one size fits all like everything should be leased or everything should be retail notes depending on what's what the action is in in the overall like for example leasing something in my opinion when uh you know, 21, 20 through 22 was probably a, a bad bad move because you didn't have a chance to capture the equity as much as you would have um, on a retail, as you would have in a retail note, right? Um, where now, if you're playing the payment game, you know, you're looking at, at leases and how they play in there, that maybe the leasing side of it might be better. But to your point, you know, if I have, you know, three or four million dollars worth of equipment out there, is there maybe 25% of that is that I have a lease and, and in 75% of that I have in a retail note. I guess what what would be some of the, uh, I guess, you know, roadblocks there or, you know, gauging where the ditches are on, on some decision like that? I don't think there is necessarily a standard percentage. And Casey, I'll give you a couple of illustrations as to why I believe that. Say you have an operation that's, what I'll call cash flush. Mm -hmm. And you look at some of the deposit account rates that are available today. They might be better off having some of that money invested into, say, a CD that's earning a reasonable rate, leasing a larger portion of their equipment so that they get the full tax benefit of the lease. They get interest income off of the investment that they have, but they're maintaining that cash position that may need to be used for something down the road. In contrast, if you have an entity that maybe is a little more stressed from a cash position, they may need to look at, granted, leasing could help minimize the impact of them, but if historically they've been in a cash-stretched position, at the end of that lease, there's going to be a buyout there. Will they have the ability to finance that buyout? 
So in that particular case, they might be better off, and again, it's going to be very farm specific. They might be better off with traditional financing. Now granted, their interest expense is not going to be the same as it would be from a lease perspective, but they are going to get some depreciation in the year of the purchase, possibly longer depending upon how they depreciate it. But I think, Casey, there's a good example of how leasing could be really beneficial for one and might not be quite as beneficial for the other. Now, if I had time to sit down and run those numbers, you know, I might disprove my own theory. But just on the outset, Casey, I think there's a good example of why one size doesn't necessarily fit all. Yeah. Yeah, I think I looked at that a lot. So I always played the leasing thing to me was really, really, really uh, a good tool to use mm-hmm. in uh, 2014 through 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Up to 2020. And if you really paid attention to what was going on there, you really were taking that, mm-hmm. that you weren't really necessarily looking at the value of the piece of equipment as much as you were what the payment structure looked like. And does that payment structure fit your cash flow for your, mm-hmm. for your business? Um, the nice thing about the leasing side of that too was in that particular time frame was mm-hmm. if when the lease came up, if the mm-hmm. lease was underwater, then you could it wasn't your problem, right? If the mm-hmm. lease, but there mm-hmm. was some equity there, then you had an opportunity to maybe step in and buy that and take that mm-hmm. equity and trade it back in to get something different. You had some instant equity already kind of built in there. Mm-hmm. So I think I always looked at leasing as kind of being like, a, you know, you're kind of hedging your bet, right? You know, you had, mm-hmm. if no matter what happened, you should mm-hmm. be able to at least come out with, with, your, with your shirt on your back, you know, for sure to have that part figured out. Yes. When you look at, in today's marketplace, as we take a look at what's going on now, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of conversations with people, and I love your opinion on this. I have a lot of conversations with people about, hey, you know, we're in this declining market and things are dead. But I don't, I look at the market right now and I don't see a quote unquote declining market. I just see a market that is, that had an incredible run up, and now we're just slowly correcting back down to what quote unquote normal is now. Right now, some of that's there's going to be some pain involved with that because of the the uh, the amount of dollars that were associated with this. It's not like it was before we were you know selling two hundred thousand dollar combines and one hundred fifty thousand dollar row crop tractors. Now we're selling you know four or five hundred thousand dollar row crop tractors and six to seven hundred thousand dollar combines. And when that correction comes, ten percent's a big number. You know what I mean? So you start mm-hmm. you start working your way through that. I don't see it as a as a, a quote unquote declining market. I see it as Hey, we're just the corrections coming. We're, we're we're correcting back down off of these highs, more to where supply is caught up with demand, so that these these large um, numbers that we saw floating around were um, that people were fighting over. That's that's calmed down. There's now more of an opportunity for you to kind of really pick out the one you want, kind of go through mm-hmm. the used marketplace and pick out the one you want. Mm-hmm. There's still long lead times on new. That's everybody's. That's, you're still seeing that, um, mm-hmm. which I think that's going to stay. I don't. I don't foresee on the on the new side. I don't really see that that shoring up anytime soon. I just think that's one of those things that's just going to be something we're going to deal with now as we move forward with this. But mm-hmm. I guess as you look at the marketplace, um, mm-hmm. where crop prices are right now and where the overall economy's at, as mm-hmm. you take a look at stuff, what what's your thought on this? The sky's falling kind of scenario that we have um, as much as just a lot of this contraction in my opinion is just everything's getting the, the, the scarcity premium knocked off of it and, this, and we're seeing this con- this more contraction back to a normal marketplace. Well I believe Casey most people just feel better 
emotionally when things like prices are going up. Now, sure. oh, equipment, equipment yeah. price went up with it. Yeah. Yeah. So margins were getting squeezed in. And I think when we do see prices come back, you know, I've heard the comment made before that, well, commodity prices have to go up. I heard a producer say this one day. He said, well, I know commodity prices are going to go up. And someone asked him, said, well, why is that the case? And this was several years ago, but he made the comment. He said, well, I can't make money where they are today, so they have to go up. Casey, the market doesn't care. No, it really doesn't. Yeah. So I do think that there is con some concern, particularly depending upon where you are, because I'm seeing in our area, plus in some producers that I talk to in other areas, there's a lot of yield variability this year. Uh, I've seen producers that, uh, for example, talked to one a couple days ago. He shelled corn on opposite sides of the road. One side he didn't replant, it made 90 bushel to the acre. The other side he did replant and it made 210. So there's some variable yields. I think, Casey, that obviously with commodity prices backing off, we're kind of, find out, kind of finding out who the people are that did a little better than average job of marketing because they're not going to suffer, assuming we don't see a major adjustment in commodity prices. Good marketing is going to pay this year probably, good advanced marketing, excuse me, is going to pay better this year perhaps, than what we've seen in the past two or three years. I think we've seen complacency kind of get rewarded over the past two or three years, and I don't believe that's going to be the case this year. The jury's still out, obviously. Yeah. But I think, Casey, that the good management practices of making sure that crops are marketed reasonably well, and I know I talked about the low yields, yes, there's always that risk when you're doing advanced marketing. That goes along with it, but that's part of why we have crop insurance. Right. So I think, Casey, that there, I won't say there's a bearish mindset necessarily that I'm seeing across the board, but I will say I think people are, because of rising interest rates, inflation continuing to rise, Granted, we have seen an adjustment in equipment over, at least in the availability of new, over what we were seeing. I think, though, Casey, one of the big things that I'm hearing is the cost of the used equipment is still kind of a, a sticker shock to folks that maybe haven't bought a whole lot of equipment in the past two or three years and they're looking at numbers and it is a little bit of a surprise to them. So I think if it were me and I'm a producer, one of the things I'd be very interested in making sure I understand is kind of where inventory levels are on used equipment because you talked about a person right now being able to maybe find a little more suitable machine for them than they could have a year ago. I think making sure that they understand where that is and also understanding where use values are because yeah. you know as well as I that advertising prices sometimes are true indicators of where prices are. Sometimes they're not as accurate of indicators. 
So I think a little homework on the part of producers as, as far as where inventory levels are and understanding where sales prices are in relation to advertised prices, I think that would be a wise use of time. Sure. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, <clears throat> there's no lack of information out there that where you can go, you can go find that stuff. It's pretty easy to figure that mm-hmm. out. But mm-hmm. I think when, um, that, I think that's just the, the one thing that I've, I think I've looked at more than anything when I really sit back down and try to digest where we're at is that, yeah, there's inflation. Yeah, high interest rates. I get all that. That, that is definitely a, a driver in what we're seeing here. But as I look at the overall health of what the used equipment market, the used ag equipment market space looks like, to me, it's just a dusting off of that of that uh, uh, scarcity premium that was put on there early. And it's just... Mm-hmm. I think that's just a correction. You know, it's like anything. Stock market goes through the roof. There's always a big correction that comes sometime after. You know, what I mean, I think that's we're kind of we're kind of fighting through that right now. I guess is my, is my point. Yeah. Yeah, Casey, I, I heard a gentleman by the name of Doctor David Cole make a statement a few years ago, and his statement was, was when it grows too fast, it's a weed. That's right. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, that makes I sense. Yeah. With completely. Yeah. Yes, I think yep. that was a wise observation. That that is that is true. That is very true. All right. So, Alan, you brought up something I think that's worth worth bringing up here when we first started talking about this. And, you know, we've got this, got the farm bill coming up. It's getting debated right now. It's getting uh, run through the the uh, Washington ringer here as we, as you look what's going on. And there's a, there's a large amount of banter back and forth about what is actually going to make it into the farm bill and what's going to be taken out. And there's a, like you said, I don't remember who you quoted saying that, but they were, you know, 1% grows 100% of the food for 100% of the people. And I think there is a uh, lack of, um, there's plenty of associations out there that are that are going and doing the things, you know, whether it's Corn Growers Association or whatever it is that's out there doing whatever they're doing. But mm-hmm. I think you brought up a good point where the individual farmers need to have their voices heard. And I think that's a, a pretty good deal. So you're headed up to Washington here next couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, to, to do your your uh, your trip to see everybody and kind of uh, get your get your voice heard with the association that you're working with there. But I guess mm-hmm. expand on that a little bit, Alan, and, and kind of tell me what you're meaning by that. Well, Casey, you're you're right in what you said. There there was an advertising I saw, and it was actually Beck Seed that said less than one percent of the people feed a hundred percent of the people. Mm-hmm. And what I would say, Casey, obviously. There's a lot of discussion going on in Washington right now. There's a lot of question about where dollars are going to be allocated, as particularly as we look at this new farm bill, but just in general, where, where dollars are going right now. Given the fact that less than 1% of the people are the producers of commodities in this country now, less than 1% doesn't swing a large stick typically economically. Right. If you you just look at it that way. But Mm -hmm. that less than 1% can leverage a lot of help. And I think it's important that they make sure, and and this is not a Democrat or Republican discussion. This is strictly make sure that your voice counts discussion. And that I think producers need to make sure that they are taking the time reach out to your legislators. Also, ask your, I'll pick on the banking industry, 
ask your bankers, how are you communicating with legislators to help the plight of agriculture and ensure that dollars are allocated to agriculture? Same statement with their equipment dealers, with their crop insurance agents, with the fertilizer and chemical suppliers, all the folks that they work with. Ask the folks that they are doing business with how they are supporting agriculture politically. What conversations are they having? Uh, the associations that are a part of it, whether it's, just to mention a couple, corn growers, soybean, pork producers, all of those associations. I think just the farmer asking to make sure Farm Bureau be another example. Asking them, how are you working with legislators to help support us in agriculture? But again, don't rely solely upon the people you're doing business with. Make sure your voice is heard as well. And I would also say this, yelling very seldom yields the results that we want. Yeah, that tends to work very well. Exactly. Most of the time, it's about asking the question before you give an answer or before you give a directive, if you will. Ask the legislators how they're supporting them. And then, if it's not an answer that they particularly like, then say, what would it take to help you be support more supportive of agriculture, and how can I be involved? I think the American farmer, just as a general rule, is an extremely humble individual and very hardworking. They don't want to ask for things. But what I do think is important is that they remember that the folks in Washington work for them. Candidly, as a banker, I view it that I work for farmers as well, personalizing it. And I think it's okay to ask people how they're supporting an industry. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's, that's not a lack of humility. That's just making sure that their voice is heard. And I think just a good, honest conversation with a few folks like that can... Will it necessarily swing the political tide in the exact way they want it moved? I can't say one way or the other. But I'll say it this way, without their voice, I think there's a greater likelihood that agriculture will see fewer governmental dollars going forward. And by the way, there is no such thing as governmental money. It's the money of the American taxpayer. That's right, yeah. So our time producing money. Yeah, it's basically saying, where would I like to see my own dollar spent? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that discussion. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, Alan, it's probably a good place to stop right there. Uh, Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing over at American Farm Mortgage. What's the best way to do that? Sure. Well, certainly they can uh, reach out to me uh, by email. Uh, My email address is ahoskins at americanfarmmortgage.com, or they can certainly reach out directly to me. Uh, My direct line for my phone is 812 213-3614. I always welcome calls. I love listening to people, hearing the stories. And Casey, I've never had all the answers to anything in my life, but I'll darn sure listen and try to help folks. Right on. I'm the same way. You learn about something about every time you talk to somebody, and it's not necessarily what you wanted to learn. It could be something that you didn't want to learn either. So that's Mm -hmm. that's the fun part about that too. So, Absolutely. All right, I appreciate you being on, man. Uh, We'll catch you next month when you come back on. Absolutely. Casey, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, man, it's, uh, the honor is all mine. Thank you, sir. 
Alan Hoskins. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the video version of this over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related. Got a couple big announcements coming out here in the next couple of months that'll be on that uh, website. Going to actually put on a new website too. Got the uh, book, the event for the Moving Iron Summit in 24, which will be November uh, 11th. I'm sorry, November 4th through the 6th. Alan's going to be there. He's going to be uh, doing one of the uh, one of the breakout session classrooms. And I uh, look forward to hearing what he has to say about that. So, Alan, appreciate you being on the podcast again, man. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Casey. Right on. I'm, so with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Alan Hoskins. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving on